Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. All right, you ready for the word? Someone say yes. I'm ready to preach. It's going to be fun. Uh, We are in a series that we started at the beginning of this year entitled By Faith. And yes, I'm going to make you say it as I have every single weekend. So come on, everyone say By Faith. And uh, if you are a part of this community, you know that this is more than just a series for our church. It is our theme. It is our mantra in 2022. It is our modus operandi. Uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit has invited us this year to elevate our faith a little bit, to elevate our expectations, to believe for some things that might seem impossible, to pray prayers like we've never prayed before, to, to take some risks in the Spirit, to, to step into some things that we know God has called us to, some big stuff. And to live this life, as the book of Hebrews tells us, to live by faith and not by sight. And to help us do that, we've been looking at this chapter in Hebrews 11. Uh, Some historians, theologians have called it the great hall of faith. And at the beginning of the chapter, we're given a definition for faith. And then the, the faith is displayed in the lives of many others that are recounted from our past, the men and women of faith who came before us. The first verse, uh, first verse says that faith is the confidence that what we hope for is actually going to happen. It's the foundation that we build our hopes upon. And then the subsequent verses all start out with these two words, by faith. By faith, uh, Abel offered the first and the best to the Lord. By faith, Noah built a boat in his backyard. Uh, By faith, Enoch walked with God. And then last week we talked about our great, 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 great granddaddy, Abraham, the father of our faith, as the Bible calls him. And we determined that his faith caused him to do something that didn't really make much sense, but something that God calls us to do occasionally. He said, go from this place and I will show you where you're going as you go. In other words, we determine that sometimes faith will cause you to leave where you're at before you know where you're headed. Why? So that we can learn to walk in step with the Spirit along the way. Go and I will show you. Uh, But uh, if you were here last week or you listened online, um, you know that I mentioned we're going to have to take a couple of weeks to discuss the true full story of Abraham because his life spans a couple of chapters here, or excuse me, a couple of verses here in Hebrews 11. And and I want to give enough time to make sure we mine as much content out of his story as possible. I hope that's okay, by the way. Um, I hope we're okay with taking it slow through Hebrews 11 and learning what this this chapter truly has to offer us. I I had my friend Carlos, he texted me this week and he said, Hey, so it's like week six of this series. We've made it through like nine verses so far. How long do you anticipate we're going to be in this by faith series? And I said, honestly, I don't know, man. There's just so much good content in here and I'm not in a rush to get through it. I, if we're here for a few months, I'm, I'm okay with that. And he said, so what you're saying is that we're going to go. And as we go, the Lord will show us where we're going with this series. And I'm like, you used my sermon against me. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. But yes, I hope you're okay with that because, man, I've been blessed so far just studying for this and I hope you've been blessed as we've received what Hebrews 11 has to offer us, this by faith life. So let's get into the next part of Abraham's journey, his family. And uh, we're gonna look at Hebrews 11, 11 today. Uh, It says this, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, from Abraham, And he, as good as dead, what a great compliment, right? As good as dead, came descendants as numerous as as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. So, So now we have shifted our attention from Abraham to his spouse, to his wife, Sarah. And we are asked to consider the role that Sarah's faith 
played in this blessing that God made to all the nations through Abraham. He said, by faith, Sarah got knocked up because she believed that he was faithful to fulfill his promise to her. So we're gonna lean into that a little bit today. Um, fear not, there's plenty of inappropriate things that will be said from this stage today. It is an equal offense opportunity for everyone in the room. Uh, if you're a note taker and you, uh, you like to, to write down the sermons, uh, I'm gonna give this one a fun title. I wanna call this one, It's Okay to Laugh. It's okay to laugh. How many just like laughing? Yeah, I like laughing. That's probably why you're at this church. We love to laugh. It's one of our values here. In fact, let me just check. How many had a rough week this week? Anyone have a rough week? How many could use a laugh right now? Okay, we're gonna do something before we get into the sermon, all right? We're gonna, we're gonna work our laughter. I want everyone to stand to your feet, okay? I'm gonna make you all uncomfortable. We're gonna turn this room into a cult right now. It's gonna be great. Robin, come up here real quick. So this, this is a game. We play this game in, in my family. And uh, it's when we have a rough week, uh, our family is going through something, we play this game to kind of lighten our spirits up. This is uh, courtesy of my father-in-law right over here who taught us this game. It's called the laughing game, and here's how it works. You just look at somebody, and even if you don't feel like it, you look directly in their eyes and you just start forcing yourself to laugh. And as you force yourself to laugh, eventually what happens is you actually begin to laugh. So I know that if this is your first time, I'm really sorry, okay? This is gonna get really weird for about 30 seconds. But if you're, if you're sitting next to somebody, come on, look them right in the eyes right now and just start giving them a fake laugh. <laughs> oh, it's so good. All right, sit down, sit down. <laughs> if you didn't have COVID yet, Building up our immunity over here at the Father's house. Hallelujah. Hey, if it was your first time, please come back next week. I promise it's totally normal around here most days. Let's pray before we lose our salvation. <laughs> uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you right now into this space to speak to us. Thank you for the word. Thank you that your, your word constantly points us to Jesus. That, that regardless of, of what we're reading, Old, New Testament, regardless of the nature of the content, the end of the day, we always have an opportunity to fix our eyes on Jesus and see you through your scriptures. And so reveal yourself to us today. Specifically, I pray for those that might find themselves in a Sarah situation. Lord, would you reveal to them that they can get back up and keep on walking by faith today in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen, amen. So, so for those who are familiar with scripture, uh, it might it might be odd to, to read Sarah's name in this list of heroes in the faith. Uh, she, she is one of those folks, as you read through, that you kind of scratch your head and go, how exactly did she make it into the list? You've ever been around someone before and you're looking at them and you're like, based on their personality and their track record and what I know about them, how the heck did they get there? Like, not that you're judgy, but, you know, just in the back of your head, you're like, how did they, how did they get married before me? All right? I am a more eligible Bachelor, bachelorette, I make more money, I got a better job, and they got married before me? Or, how, how did they get the promotion instead of me? I see the way they work when the boss is not around, but you know, they clean up their act when, when the boss shows up. How did they get the promotion? Or, or how did they become the president of the United States of America? <laughs> Too soon? The beautiful part is that depending on your political affiliation, you have a different face in your head right now, and I love that about this church. It's my favorite. How did they get there? Like, some, some people end up places where it doesn't make sense. Like, how did they get there? And Sarah is one of those days. If you're familiar with her story, it, it seems odd that she would be included in this, 
this great legacy of faith because ultimately Sarah made a lot of mistakes along the way. There was a number of failures, and yet despite her failure, she still seems to be fit. God seems to think she's worthy enough to make it into this list of the great men and women in our faith, which should tell us something. It should tell us that God is never looking for perfection from anybody. It should tell us that there is no such thing as a perfect, flawless faith. I said this last weekend, I will say it again today. I am encouraged as I read through Hebrews chapter 11 and I look at the lives of these individuals because I see a whole lot of people that failed a number of times and yet God continued to put their names in this list of those who were faithful, which tells me that he has always and he will continue to use broken, flawed humanity to bring about his purpose on planet Earth. Come on, how many grateful for that today? Yeah. I love that about this chapter. And Sarah is a perfect example of this. And so what I'd like to do today in our remaining moments together, I want to look at Sarah's life, the totality of her life and her highlights and her lowlights. And I want us to consider what it looks like to live by faith, even in the midst of failure, because I think that's probably a familiar story for all of us. The story starts in Genesis 15, and at the time we're introduced to Abraham at the age of 75, and Sarah is 66 years old. And God comes to Abraham, and he says, I'm going to give you and your wife a son. I'm going to give you a child. And this is a massive promise to Abraham and Sarah, because up until now, they've been unable to conceive a baby. And I know what you're thinking, like, gosh, 75 and 66, like, gross, that's kind of weird, like... But, but, but remember, in biblical times, specifically older biblical times, people lived a lot longer than they do today. And Abraham, he lived to 175, and Sarah lived to 127. And so it would not have been inconceivable that people at this age, 75 and 66, could bear children. It was relatively normal in their day. And so God comes, tells Abraham, I'm going to give you a baby. And Abraham and Sarah begin the process of baby making. He lights the candles. He turns on the boys to men chugs a little mouthwash, comes in through the tent door. I'm a left to you, lying You know the scene. Unless you're single, in which case, stay away from that scene. Hallelujah, okay. So after about a month of engaging in some activities, Sarah goes down to the local Walgreens and she picks up a pregnancy test and she comes back to the tent. And lo and behold, after taking the test, a single red line, it's negative, there is no baby. P.S., anyone ever feel like you're taking a pregnancy test when you take COVID tests right now? Yeah. I'm not pregnant. Thank you, Jesus. So they run it back. Like, okay, let's give this another shot. Light the candles again. Turn on the CD again. Drink the mouthwash. Another month. Same thing. Gets a pregnancy test, brings it back. Abraham, nothing. I'm not pregnant yet. And month after month, year after year, for a decade, they're holding out for this promise, but nothing happens. Finally, the candles are burned out. The boys have become men. <laughs> Mouthwash is empty, and so is Sarah's womb. And Sarah finds herself in a place that many of us have probably been before. She's discouraged. She's disappointed. She's sick and tired of waiting. And in that space, she begins to enter desperation. And many of us know that when you're desperate, you make some moves that can be regrettable. And Sarah makes a move in desperation that becomes a flawed part of her story. We pick up in Genesis uh, chapter 16, and we read this. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, 
had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with his wife's request. If this is a movie, this is where you're yelling at the screen right now. Don't do it. No, this is a bad idea. She doesn't mean it. And if you yell at the movie screen when you're in the movie theater, I don't love you people. Okay. So, so Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant. She gave her to Abram as his wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar. She became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat Sarah with contempt. And Sarah said to Abraham, this is all your fault. <laughs> Typical. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Friends, this is your hero from Hebrews chapter 11. Hey, hubby, here's my servant. Sleep with her. Oh, she's pregnant? This is your fault. Like, what is happening here in Scripture? You ever read the Bible sometimes and you're like, what the heck? Like, is this Springer or is this Scripture? What is going on right now? It's like that Friends episode. We were on a break, you know. <laughs> but what is going on here? But, but before we, we get all bent out of shape and start throwing stones at Sarah, let's, let's stop and consider for a moment. Let's put ourselves in her shoes. In fact, maybe that's not difficult for some of us here today. For 10 years, she's been believing. She's been praying. She's been contending, knocking, asking for God to fulfill a promise that he made to her. 10 years of disappointment. 10 years of discouragement. And suddenly... After 10 years of waiting, she's getting a little antsy. And she does what many of us do. She begins to take matters into her own hands. If God isn't gonna do this for me, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this one on my own. I'm gonna make it happen if God isn't going to make it happen. And she makes a move in desperation. Let me say it like this. Delay made way for doubt. Doubt turned to desperation. There's a cycle some of us are familiar with. Delay, doubt, desperation. When God did not answer her prayer on her timetable, the way that she thought it should be, she began to doubt. Maybe, maybe God didn't say that. Maybe nothing is going to happen. Maybe I heard him wrong. And when doubt was fully grown, it became desperation, which ultimately gave birth to Ishmael. Doubt, desperation. In light of that, let me, let me ask you a question. A question I think we all need to consider as we look at this text. How do you deal with delay? Never underestimate the power of delay. Never underestimate the power of waiting to completely shipwreck your faith. If we don't know how to deal with waiting, if we don't know how to deal with delay, it will mess you up in the spirit. How do you deal with waiting? And I'm not talking about the waiting in line at the DMV or waiting behind that person at the stoplight who's checking their phone instead of paying attention or waiting in the line at ceremony Chick-fil-A, none of that. I'm talking about the kind of waiting that'll mess your soul up a little bit. 
the waiting that begins to suck the life out of you and the passion out of you and the joy out of you. How do you deal with delay? How do you deal with waiting for the spouse that you've been believing for? How do you wait for that healing? How do you wait for the promotion that you've been passed over for a number of times? How do you deal with the delay of that son or that daughter that's far from God and you've been praying that they'd come back home? Or maybe it's a Sarah story. How do you deal with infertility? Praying and believing that God would give you a baby but just haven't seen it yet. How do you deal with it? Because listen, the way you wait matters. How you wait matters a lot to God. The way you wait determines whether or not you actually become more devoted to him in the process or you begin to act in desperation. How do you wait? In fact, how you wait, it also determines what is birthed in the delay. You can either wait and get an Isaac or in haste, you can give birth to an Ishmael. The way you wait for your spouse determines whether you're giving birth to purity or to promiscuity in the process. The way you wait for your healing, it either determines whether or not you're gonna give birth to a greater devotion to God or complete destruction of your faith. The way you wait matters. How are you waiting? And I wish I had the entire morning to just focus on that simple question because it's such a big deal. Listen to me. If you're new to this thing called faith or Christianity, waiting is gonna be a big part of this process. I would venture a guess that most of us in the room right now are somewhere between a promise and the fulfillment of that promise. And it can look different for all of us. But many of us are in that waiting zone, that waiting room in our faith. And I am convinced that many believers have an underdeveloped faith because they do not know how to wait well in the middle of that season. They try to take matters into their own hands. But listen to me, there is a faith that is forged in the waiting season that cannot be forged anywhere else. Abraham, Romans chapter four, it says his faith grew stronger while he waited. The longer he waited, the more he believed for the, prob- uh, the promise. I- Isaiah 40, you know the scripture. Those who wait on the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and they won't grow faint. There is a faith that is forged in the waiting that you won't find anywhere else. And we must know how to wait well not try to rush the process, not act in desperation. But I can't stay there because I got, I got other stuff to say, so we must move on. <laughs> and Sarah's story has some other things to say because as it turns out, Sarah simply didn't just have a waiting problem. Sarah also had a bit of a laughing problem. Come back to Genesis chapter 18. Abram and Abraham is now 99 years old. And his beautiful wife, Sarah, is now the ripe young age of 90. And God comes once again to Abraham. He finds himself in the heat of the day, hanging out in the shade by his tent. And the Lord comes to Abraham and he says, hey, you're nearly 100. It's time to give you a baby. Remember that promise I made you 25 years ago? I am ready to fulfill that promise. Abraham's like, like now? Like, I'm 100. And he's like, now's a good time. Let's go with now. Uh, Okay. And apparently, as God and Abraham are having this conversation, Sarah is listening in the distance. It says in Genesis 18.10, Sarah was listening to this conversation from her tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself, and she said, 
How could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also really old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? And then look at this line. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Come on, can we say that together? Is anything too hard for the Lord? What a great question to consider today. I will return about this time next year and Sarah, she's gonna have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied and she said, I, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, now nah, you did. <laughs> I love that that is in the eternal canon of scripture, don't you? The weirdest exchange between God and another human. I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did. You laughed. If you have kids, you have had that conversation before. I didn't do it. Yes, you did. And here it is, right in the Bible. <laughs> she was beyond her childbearing years, and so she laughed. I want to lean into that statement for just a moment. She was beyond childbearing years. Um, now, I don't want to get too technical or too medical in church, but um, to truly understand the weight of that statement, we need to turn church into a health class for just a second here. Um, ladies, um, there is a process whereby your body tells you that you are capable of having children. Um, it is a regular cycle, monthly reminder that you are able to carry a child. Depending on your emotional stability, it is also a reminder to everybody else around you that you are capable of having a child. Is he saying this in church? <laughs> Equal offense, once again. But there will inevitably come a day for every woman where your body tells you, I'm done. I am not interested in having babies any longer. And it is a magical, wonderful day where you no longer have to be reminded that you are capable of carrying children. And Sarah had arrived at that moment. Sarah had come to a place, according to scripture, where she was no longer biologically capable of carrying a child. And when Sarah arrived at that space of impossibility, God shows up and he says, now it's time. He waited until every other option was gone and said, now I'm ready to fulfill my promise. Has anybody else ever noticed that God seems to like to wait until every other possibility and every other option has been taken off the table before he shows up and does the miracle in your life? Anybody ever notice that God seems really comfortable in the 11th hour of the promise and shows up never too early, never too late, but as the preacher said, right on time. Anyone else ever noticed that about God before? Why does he do that? Why does he wait until everything else has been attempted before he decides to show up and answer the prayer? Let, let me tell you why I think he does it. I'm convinced that God waits until we are exhausted of self and every other option has been eliminated because he wants to be the one who gets the glory when the miracle comes. He wants to be the one that we point to and say, but for God, this would have never happened. Isaiah 42, verse eight. I am the Lord and I will not share my glory with anybody else. Not with a doctor, not with a medication, not with a counselor, not with a promotion. No, I want every other option off the table so that when it happens, the only one left standing is me and you have to declare only for God would this have taken place. He wants all the glory. Let me talk to somebody here today who finds themselves exhausted of options. 
you've spent all the money, you've seen all the doctors, you've been to the counselor, there is nothing left in the natural that can be done. May I suggest to you that God has you right where he wants you right now because it isn't in that space of exhaustion of self where God can show up and get the glory for the outcome. It's exactly where he wants you. This is why Sarah laughed at this suggestion of pregnancy. She's like, are you kidding me? I'm 90 years old. I ain't trying to have no baby. This is an impossibility. The only way this happens is if God makes it happen. That's why she laughed. So that brings me to my second question I want to pose to you today. If that's why Sarah laughed, let me ask you, what are you laughing at right now? <laughs> I'm laughing at you, Pastor. <laughs> What are you laughing at? What, what seems impossible right now? What is about as probable as a senior citizen giving birth to a baby in your life right now? What makes no logical sense? And you're laughing at it. As you consider that, let me, let me give you one of mine. Uh, this last week on Wednesday, uh, as I was preparing the sermon, um, my wife and I had a, an appointment with uh, our oldest daughter, Ellie's hematologist. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, last fall, we had a pretty massive scare in our family. My oldest daughter uh, spent two different stints a week at a time in the hospital, the second one in the ICU, um, as a result of some complications with the surgery that she had. And uh, as a result, her portal vein, which supplies blood to her liver, uh, developed a number of blood clots and the blood supply shut down to her liver. And uh, she was experiencing some major pain, so we took her into the hospital and we discovered after getting there uh, that she was about a hair's breadth away from meeting Jesus. And thank the Lord he did a miracle and uh, she's back at home and you know she's alive and we're grateful for all of those things. But as a result of what took place in her body, uh, we now have to administer a blood thinner shot to her in her stomach twice a day to ensure that the clotting doesn't continue and that blood flows freely in her body. Um, so being people of faith, uh, we have prayed, and many of you in our intercession community have been praying for our daughter uh, that that vein would open back up, that blood would begin to flow freely to her liver. And, uh, you know, we've made all the declarations. Jesus, we believe that you spilled your blood so that her blood could be made whole. And we believe in the healing that is available to us by the stripes of Jesus. And we've been praying. Uh, but but uh, in this conversation with her hematologist, we discovered some new information. He told us that um, the time had passed where natural opening of that vein would have taken place. And at this point, he said confidently, I do not believe that vein will ever open up again. Uh, that time has come and gone, unfortunately, for you. And so now we're looking at more invasive and perhaps longer term uh, solutions to ensure that she doesn't have major problems later on in life. And that was the first time we had heard that information. That was, that was brand new information to us. So you can imagine the devastation and the disappointment and someone telling us on the other side of a screen that our prayers had not been answered. It, 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 was, a, it was a bit of a moment for the two of us, for sure, as we began to play out what my daughter's future might look like if this thing didn't fix itself. And yet, I still had a sermon to prepare, so <clears throat> I went back into my office and I opened up my Bible again and I read this line that we're looking at right now. Sarah was beyond childbearing years, and so she laughed. 
You know what I did when I read that? I laughed. (laughs) I laughed because I'm standing in a Sarah situation. I laughed because I'm preaching to myself in the middle of preparation. I laughed because when the doctor tells me that all of the natural solutions for this thing to fix itself are officially off the table, I have been exhausted of myself. I have no other place to turn and I have entered into the zone where the only person who can receive glory for my daughter's healing is God and God alone. And that's where I'm standing today. He will get his glory. So again, what are you laughing at? What do you find hilarious right now? (laughs) Because when you are in that space where you have exhausted all of your other options and they simply aren't working and you find yourself laughing, something beautiful happens. It's the same thing that happened to our friend Sarah. Suddenly you are forced to get your attention off of the potential outcome and you are forced to look to the God of the outcome. You are forced to fix your eyes on Jesus. Look again in this last big thought at Hebrews chapter 11 where we started. It says this, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Notice Notice that Sarah's faith isn't even mentioned until every other option was exhausted. It didn't say that Sarah had any faith with Hagar, with Ishmael, when her body was still capable of conceiving children. No, it was once every other option had been exhausted that she stepped into this moment of faith. And notice what shifts as she does. No longer is she looking at the potential outcome. She's not clinging to the promise itself. It doesn't say after 25 years, Sarah considered that God might actually be serious about the promise that he made to her. It doesn't say that. What did she consider? She considered him faithful who made the promise. She got her eyes off of the outcome and she decided to fix her eyes on the source itself. She looked to God. I've used this analogy before and I'm going to use it again because I I think it paints a beautiful picture of what we're witnessing here in scripture. Uh, My friend John sitting here in the front row. So John knows me pretty well. Him and his wife Priscilla are some of our closest friends and uh, we've talked finances before. Um, So John, um, let's say I called you up and I said, hey, um, bro, I I was thinking about you this week and um, I just, I really feel like I want to give you a financial gift. The the Lord has spoken to me about this. Um, I would like to invest in you $10 million. I'm going to give you 10, in fact, I promise I'm going to give you $10 million. That's a good promise. But there's a problem. I ain't got it. I don't have $10 million. You can dare to hope and sing all you want. It doesn't matter. I do not have the capacity to fulfill the promise that I just made to John. And because the source is no good, the promise will never come to pass. But, but let's pretend for a moment that we find a different source. Let's say Elon Musk picks up the phone and and calls John or Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg. Mark had a rough week in the stock market. Let's go back with Elon, okay? (laughs) 
So Elon picks up the phone. He says, hey, yo, John, I know you don't know me. Um, I don't know if that's how Elon talks or not. Uh, I know you don't know me, but uh, I was trolling through Instagram. I had nothing better to do in my little house out there in Texas. And uh, I saw your profile, and it looks like you could use a little bit of money. And so uh, I'm going to give you $10 million. That's what I want to give to you. In fact, John, I promise I will give you $10 million. Just Keep checking your cryptocurrency wallet on Coinbase. It's going to come in Dogecoin very soon, and I'm going to give you $10 million. Now, suddenly, John's heart begins to beat a little bit faster, and he gets a little more excited about the promise. Why? Because the source changed. The promise is exactly the same, but when the source is capable of fulfilling that promise, suddenly our faith gets attached to what that promise represents. Well, let's take 30 seconds and talk about your source for just a moment, if we could. His name is God. He is almighty. He is El Shaddai. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says that this planet is his ottoman. It is his footstool. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's bigger than anything you'll ever see. And he is capable of fulfilling his promise. He is a good source. He's the one who will pose the question to you as he did to Sarah. Is there anything that is too hard for me? I am God. I own a cattle on a thousand hills. I can provide for you. I can tell the sun to stand still. I can move a mountain with my words. I can twist the oaks or split the cedars with my voice. I am the all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God. And I am your source. And I've made some promises to you. I promise I will never leave you or forsake you. I promise the righteous will never be forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. I promise if you call upon the name of Jesus and you remember the stripes he bore for you, your body can be healed. I promise if you're walking through trouble, Psalm 91 says you can hide yourself in the shadow of his wings. I've made some promises to you. Don't throw those promises aside as if they're coming from a pastor with skinny jeans who don't have any money. I am God of heaven and earth and I promised you that it will come to pass and I am good on my promises. When the source is good, the promise is good. I, I, I'd be willing to bet there are some people here today that are in that zone where every other option has been exhausted. It is time to get your eyes off the probability of the outcome and to look to the source, to come to this place that Sarah came to and say, I'm looking to him who made the promise. I'm out of time. Ben, you guys can come and we're gonna conclude. I have to go put on an outfit. <laughs> Last thought, we need to come back to this title for a second because up until now, I have not, I have not given accurate information as to why you have permission to laugh, why it's okay. In fact, if anything, I've, I've probably given you reason to believe that you shouldn't laugh. Sarah laughed and she got in trouble for it. So why am I suggesting, according to this title, that it is okay to laugh? Here's why. I believe it's okay to laugh because as you read the end of Sarah's story, here's what you discover. Her, her first laugh was not her last laugh. And, and, and what was once a moment of great failure became a catalyst for her legacy of faith. Come, come look at the end of Sarah's story here in Genesis chapter 21. It says, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. Can I stop there for a moment and just say, that will be your story at some point? You can fill your name in that blank. The Lord did for you exactly what he promised. She became pregnant 
And she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac, which consequently means son of laughter. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born, and Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. What was once a moment of great failure became a monument of joy in Sarah's life. She said, everyone who hears about this, they're going to laugh with me. Who, who hears about what, Tim? Anyone who hears about the God who despite failure and disappointment, who despite moves in desperation and delay, who despite my history, everyone who hears about the God that still came through on the promise that he made to me so many years ago, they're gonna laugh with me. Uh, let me in this last couple of seconds talk to every Sarah in the room. Every person who finds themselves between promise and fulfillment, who is waiting, who's maybe gotten a little discouraged along the way and maybe you find yourself fighting against those doubts as to whether or not God will fulfill the promise he made to you. According to Sarah, if you hear about a 90 year old woman who had a baby when her biological time clock had tapped out, you have permission to laugh with her. It is okay to laugh. You know why? Because your first laugh isn't going to be your last laugh. And God will still get the glory in the middle of what you're walking through. Let me pray for that as we conclude today. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Specifically, I want to take a moment and just pray for those who might find themselves in that waiting season, in that moment of delay. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray Isaiah 40. I pray Romans 4. I pray for a faith that would rise up in the middle of this delay season. A faith that clings to the God of the promise and not the probability of the outcome. I pray for those that have been asking for a healing, asking for a child, asking for a son or daughter to come back home to the house, or asking for whatever it is they're asking for. I pray right now that they would not lay down those prayers and give up, but they would see this as an invitation to wait well, an invitation for great faith in the midst of that waiting season. I pray you'd Help them to pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and to ask again, to seek again, to knock again, and to not lay off until they see the outcome that you've promised. We believe you for these things today. With every head bowed and eye closed, I wanna take a moment as we conclude here and speak to another group of people that might find themselves here today, and specifically those who would say, hey, Tim, I'm, I'm, I'm here, but I'm far from God. You're talking about this source the God who provides, the God who is Emmanuel that walks with you, the God who won't forsake me. I don't know that God. I walked with him maybe in the past or I've never walked with him before and I find myself here today at a distance from him, but I know that the Holy Spirit is drawing me close. I would love to pray with you before you leave, a simple prayer of commitment and invite you into this journey of faith with him. And let me just say this, you're gonna find yourself in some waiting seasons. Inviting Jesus into your life doesn't mean that all the problems go away, but it does mean that you have a God that will stand with you in the midst of all those problems, in the midst of all that waiting. 
So if that's you this morning, no one's looking around. I wanna pray with you. But before I pray, I'd like you to just acknowledge yourself if you could so that I know who I'm praying with and I can continue to pray for you this week. If you're far from Jesus and you need to come close, would you just quickly lift up your hand and look at me so that I can pray with you this morning? Got you, bro. Got both of you guys right here. Yeah, right there. Awesome, bro. Yeah, I got you in the back, man. Yeah, right over here. Right here, awesome. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, I'm gonna pray this simple prayer. You can just repeat it after me in your heart. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I thank you that you gave your life for mine. I choose to follow you this morning. I ask for forgiveness for my past and failures that I come from, and I ask that you would help me to step into all you have for me. I'm gonna be your disciple to walk in your ways from this moment forward so that when I enter into eternity, whenever that might be, I'll hear those coveted words, well done, good and faithful, faithful servant, enter into the joy that has been set before you. I give you all of me this morning and I receive all of you in return. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Come on, let's thank God for all of those making a decision to follow Jesus today. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.